So last week we discussed the power of words and how we shouldn't use our words frivolously because they can always come back to haunt us, as we mentioned in that story by Chaim Kanievsky. So I wanted to expound on that theme and on the basic concept. It's an age-old term called the self-fulfilling prophecy. So many of you have heard about self-fulfilling prophecies. If you say something, it might come to fruition. Usually it's in the negative sense. So the Shabbos before Tisha B'Av is known as Shabbos Chazon because we read from Sefer Yeshayahu. And in Sefer Yeshayahu, it begins with the words Chazon Yeshayahu Ben Amotz. And on the one of the many lessons that we learn from this Sefer of Yeshayahu is the concept of Al Yiftach Adam Piv Satan, that a person should never open up his mouth to the Satan. And this refers to speech that might cause eventual harm to the person that's speaking. And this seems to be a continuation of last week's theme for Torah psychology, in that we're dealing once again with the age-old self-fulfilling prophecy. However, this week we can actually let the prophet do the talking, namely Yeshayo. So Yeshayo calls the Jewish people Kitsine Sidom, the chiefs of Sidom in Pasuk Yud of the Torah. So why would he refer to the Jewish people as the chiefs of Sodom? We know that Sodom was a nation that was filled with vile people who did the most vile things. And because the, uh, so the Gemara suggests in Brachos that the Jews themselves said that they deserved to be killed completely, just like the people of Sodom. We know that Sodom was wiped out completely. So the Jews, they suggested that maybe they deserved to be killed completely, like Sodom. So Ryochanan Zweig asks, why is this the example of a quintessential self-fulfilling prophecy if the context of the Jewish people referring to themselves as Sodom was that the Jewish people were actually showing gratitude that they did not end up like Sodom? So Zweig suggests that the mere utterance of a negative attribute or a vile nation, in our case Sodom, can impact our self-perception and create a new negative reality of who we are as a people. For example, and this happens inter- on an interpersonal basis too, if Ruvain tells Shimon that he's going to fail his Gemara test because he's not smart enough, he's likely going to fail the test, not because he's not smart enough, but because he's attaching a label to himself. And that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the term self-fulfilling prophecy was first coined by a sociologist named Robert Merton in 1948, which was loosely defined as a belief that tends to lead to its own fulfillment. And in January of 1981, just to give an example, there was a successful investment advisor named Joseph Granville who sent messages to his clients that the stock price will nosedive the next day. And he advised everybody to sell tomorrow, sell tomorrow. And this led to one of the heaviest days of trading in the history of the New York Stock Exchange. And that day, January 7th, 1981, stock values lost approximately $40 billion. And that was a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the self-fulfilling prophecy doesn't just happen when countries are about to be decimated or when someone advises you to sell your stocks. It happens in everyday life, especially in Chinuch. The labels that we attach to our Talmidim or Talmidos as the top bacher or the Nebuch, this leads to the self and other fulfilling prophecies. 
So the question is, how true is it that teachers' evaluative perceptions directly correlate to student performance? So there was a psychological study done by Crano and Mellon on 4,300 British school children, which showed positively that higher teacher evaluations directly correlate to high student performance and vice versa. And this finding was originally discovered by another group of psychologists led by Rosenthal and Jacobson in 1968 in a famous experiment where they selected random students in a San Francisco elementary school. And they told the teachers that these students were about to have a dramatic intellectual spurt. And indeed, when they they, uh, had these students in the class, they started to excel because of the teacher's expectation effect, which can be a positive spin on the otherwise generally negative self-fulfilling prophecy. So the teacher's expectation effect tells us that if the teachers expect more for their students, the students will eventually rise to the occasion. So we see this as well with teacher ratings and reviews. So let's say, for example, you're a college student and you're trying to choose a math class to take and someone tells you, this class is great. Oh, the guy is such a wonderful teacher. Just look at his online reviews. So you're likely going to choose the class with that professor and maybe look at those reviews and go in with a very positive attitude. And this reminds me of a story I heard, and I can't remember where I saw it, of a principal who had a brand new teacher on the staff. And he told the teacher that, uh, you know, good luck with these students. So after the first quarter, the students were doing amazing. The second quarter, they were doing even more amazing. And the principal went over to the uh, the teacher and he said, I don't really don't understand how you're doing this. These were the worst performing students in the whole entire school. How is it that their grades are at the top of the school? They're, they're acing everything. And the teacher looked at the principal in bewilderment and he was like, what do you mean? You gave me the, uh, the record book and all of the, uh, it said next to each name, there, uh, the number, a number, it said 101, 107, 120, 122. I, you know, I thought that that was their IQ. So the principal looked at the teacher and said, those were their locker numbers. The point of the story is that when the teacher expected that these kids were going to do well, that was the self-fulfilling prophecy in a very positive light. And in the psychological literature, we find self-fulfilling prophecies occur in school and work settings, courtrooms, police interrogations, lots of other different settings. But in our own personal lives, we also use the uh, self-fulfilling prophecy mostly in an unconscious form. For example, if I expect my spouse to be in a good mood, it may affect how I relate to her, and this will cause her to confirm my belief. So understanding the psychology of the self-fulfilling prophecy takes us back to our Haftorah in our Parsha. When the Jews likened themselves to the chiefs of Sodom, they were essentially creating a new reality for themselves. Our words have consequences. Even our thoughts can shape our realities, especially when private thoughts about ourselves become public. On Shabbos Chazon, let's commit ourselves by changing our thoughts and our speech and create a new positive reality. As the Navi ends the Avtorah with his own positive prophecy, Tzion v'amishpat Tzion, I'm sorry, uh, let me get the actual words. 
and says, Tzion That Tzion will be redeemed with justice and her returnees with righteousness. Have a wonderful Shabbos and a meaningful Tisha B'Av.